This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Should be a fun one. We've been playing Rihanna the entirety of the show. She's going to be headlining the halftime performance. Looking forward to that. Another thing I'm looking forward to is talking to our next guest for the first time on this program, guy I used to produce for. So this is pretty cool for me to bring in my guy Nick Wright to the program. Nick, what's up, bro? How you doing? It can't be that cool for you since you've literally never asked me on the show well, I had... until my game's in the Super Bowl. So I don't know. <laughs> well, I had I can't I can't waste the bullets, you know, way too frequently too early. I thought this was the perfect time because you've got Mahomes in the Super Bowl, and, and so not only do you have the Chiefs winning, you don't even think this game's going to be close. So what's going into that theory? Well, listen, I it, it certainly could be close. I'm not I'm not guaranteeing a blowout, but what I, I think the Chiefs are the far better team. I think the Chiefs are the far more tested team. I think the Chiefs are the far more experienced team. I think the Chiefs unquestionably have the better coach, and no one would argue anything other than they have the far better quarterback. Those those types of situations don't typically lead to a nip-and-tuck football game. And the most important player on the Philadelphia Eagles, their quarterback, is clearly compromised and clearly hurt. And Patrick Mahomes, I understand he suffered the high ankle sprain, but he appears to be in far better shape for this game than Jalen Hurts does. So all of those things, plus the fact that I don't think Philadelphia is built to come from behind, leads me to believe the Chiefs are going to score 30-plus, and I don't think Philly can hang with them. So if the Chiefs win this game, I saw you making the case on your on your TV show, First Things First, that this is a dynasty. I, and I think the only pushback would be, Typically, you you feel like a back-to-back has to be part of the dynasty, but five straight AFC championship games all at home, three Super Bowl appearances, two Super Bowl championships. You got your quarterback getting two regular season MVPs. Uh, What's the case for the Chiefs being a dynasty if they win this game? Well, let me me ask you this, and this is not a loaded question. I've been asking a lot of people this. I want your honest opinion. What do you think is better? The first five years of Brady Belichick for these five years if the Chiefs win today. Now, the, I, the, let me lay it out because everyone's gut is, well, the Patriots in those first five years won three Super Bowls. They did. The two years they did not win the Super Bowl, one year they missed the playoffs, and the other year they got blown out in the division round. So what – listen, I know you can't fathom this because you're a Jets fan, but <laughs> for people out there whose teams, like, actually win and have success uh, – and listen, sorry, Jets fan. Listen, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers is on his way to town, so you, you – uh, Oh, you, yeah, that'll you, fix things. Yeah, that'll, <laughs> that'll, that'll, that'll fix a lot for you guys. Um, but, no, honest question. If you, as a fan of a team, what do you think would be better, a five-year run – where you win three Super Bowls, miss the playoffs once, and get rolled in round two once, or a five-year run where you win two Super Bowls, go to a third, and the two years you don't make the Super Bowl, you lose in overtime of the conference championship game. I think it's very close, and nobody was denying that that Patriots were a dynasty at that point in time. The Patriots thing is also odd because they won three Super Bowls in four years, then they went a decade without winning one, 
and then they won three more in five years. So is that one dynasty or is that two very distinct dynasties with a 10-year gap? I tend to believe it's the latter, not the former. But, I, yeah, I mean, I think the Chiefs, they win today. They're a dynasty. So, I listen, I, I mentioned today on the show, we're talking to Nick Reck of FS1. I mentioned today on the show, I have to root for the Eagles because, like, as a Jet wow. fan, I, as a Jet fan, the only way I can rationalize being optimistic about the future is if you get Aaron Rodgers here or whatever the quarterback, Lamar, Aaron Rodgers, whoever the upgraded quarterback is, you get him here and you you plug them into a really talented team that you can see is you know, defensively and offensively. But if Patrick Mahomes with a bummed up ankle in a year where the Bills were expected to be better and, you know, the Bengals are coming off of their Super Bowl appearance, they beat them and then they all go on to beat the team in the NFC that was supposed to be the best with a bummed ankle with no legitimate receivers, uh, with all due respect, they don't have legitimate receivers that you fear. You know, Kelsey is sure. their big tight end. But this could be the worst version of the Chiefs we've seen in the last five years. They're only going to get better because they've got rookies and a lot of young players on defense. If they're going to win this Super Bowl, then everyone in the AFC might just be drawing dead, assuming health is not a question for Mahomes going forward. So I can't live in a world where can he's I, winning this I, one. Can I ask you? Hold on. Can I ask you a question, Ty? Let me hear it. Because everything you said there, everything you said there made sense, and I understand it. But why is everything you just laid out? not the case for AFC teams, whether the Chiefs win or lose this game. Well, because it means they're whether beatable. Because the they didn't win the but, Super but Bowl. Not, yeah, but not by the not by the Jets, not by the AFC. The Chiefs, this is a reloading year or rebuilding year for the Chiefs. You mentioned it. They only, the Texans, Seahawks, and Bears played more snaps this year by rookies. They got rid of their star receiver. They actually, you know, they haven't had their number. Their number one receiver, McCall Hardman, has played 20 snaps in the last three months, dating back to mid-October. He played those 20 snaps in the AFC title game. He's now out. Their number one running back going into the year, who's not very good, but he was their number one running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, has been. It might play in this game, but he's been out for months. All of this happened in a year that the Chargers loaded up on free agents, the Bills added Von Miller, the Bengals haven't had to pay anybody yet, all of it. The, the, obviously, the Broncos go get Russ, the Raiders add Devontae Adams, and yet we sit here today, and the Chiefs are the one seed, and the Chiefs are, in my opinion, about to win a Super Bowl. And, yeah, I mean, you're the, the level of discontent the rest of the AFC should have is massive, but that's no matter what happens today, in my opinion. I agree with that. But I just it just would feel differently if, you know, they lose this game because then you can say, well, they could have lost to the Bengals. It came down to Mahomes making, you know, an all-time great play in a big spot. So they, they, they can't be had. But I got to ask you this because there is, a, there is a scenario that exists, and it's so funny and interesting that it would happen to you where Mahomes loses this game and all of a sudden the, the, the conversation becomes LeBron 2.0. Because you know what we're going to get, right? He's now 1-2 and two in the Super Bowl. But not just that. But, Nick, uh, if Jimmy G completes that pass, who was it? Emmanuel Sanders, Mahomes could be 0-3 in the Super Bowl. So uh, the conversation is going to oh, okay. cha quickly change for your guy, Mahomes. Well, so listen. The, the, there is – I've, I've had to listen to this week this narrative 
that Mahomes has not played well in the Super Bowl, which is I find so fascinating because there's this thing, not a lot of people know about it, but at the end of Super Bowls, uh, people vote, and they say who was the single best player in that game. And in one of the two Super Bowls Mahomes has played in, they voted for him. I think it's called, like, MVP of the Super Bowl, something like that. So he's played in two of them. In one of them, the entire world agreed he was the best player on either team. So I don't think the idea that he's played poorly in the Super Bowl is is accurate or fair. Now, his numbers in the Super Bowl they lost were terrible, but also everyone, including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive players, were marveling at what he was attempting to do and trying to do uh, in that game where he scrambled behind the line of scrimmage 478 yards, the most undocumented in NFL history running for his life. He's the highest-rated passer, the highest-scoring quarterback in the history of the NFL playoffs. So I understand you're correct, Ty, that that narrative will be out there, but that narrative is nonsense. And as as you know and as logical people know to bring the LeBron thing up, when people bring up the finals record, whether they don't want to admit this, but what they are saying is when LeBron was 22 years old, and scored 48 points in the Eastern Conference Finals, put the Cavs in the finals. That actually hurt his legacy. <laughs> when LeBron was 35 years old, or, well, yeah, 35 years old, 34 years old probably, actually, and was down 3-2 to Boston and scored 45 and then 35 in back-to-back games, six and seven wins, when the second-best player was Jeff Green, that actually hurt his legacy. It would have been better if he lost there. It's total nonsense. Just like if the Chiefs lose today, people say it hurts his legacy. They are saying the heroic performance on one leg that we all saw and marveled about two weeks ago, it would have been better if he just played poorly there and lost. It's total nonsense. But because so much of sports media is not actual opinions as much as it is reverse engineering a story to make sure everyone believes Michael Jordan's the greatest athlete ever. <laughs> We've decided that's how these things work. Couple last que- a uh, couple questions for you. So for Hertz, we've talked about like what it would mean for Mahomes if, if he wins this one. Hertz, think about think about this. Like he'll now have more Super Bowls than Allen, Lamar, Burrow, Trevor Herbert. So like, do we now enter next year having to put him higher on the quarterback hierarchy. Now it's all predicated on how he plays tonight, but what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, listen, if he plays well and they win, he was excellent this season before he got hurt. If he then answers that by playing well and winning a Super Bowl, then you have to at least include him in the conversation for the second-best quarterback in football. I don't think he's that, but I also – you know, Joe Burrow has, and by, I guess someone could make the argument. Again, it's not my opinion, but Joe Burrow's in that argument, and Joe Burrow went to a Super Bowl and lost. And so, I maybe maybe uh, that Jalen should be in that discussion either way. I think he needs to become clearly more refined as a passer before I'm ready to put him in that conversation. But I also think Josh Allen needs to become more refined as a passer. Right, I think going into next season, Ty, my quarterback rankings are prob- probably would be Mahomes one, Burrow two, 
Caleb Williams three and Trevor Lawrence four. Oh my goodness! I, I think that's probably where I would have it. <laughs> last one for you, because uh, you know I got to talk basketball. I, actually, two. So the Lakers yeah. last night got a, an impressive win. Anthony Davis they really didn't play well. Had two great defensive plays late, but D'Angelo Russell uh, brought them home. You think these these additions at, at the deadline could see them make some noise ish? In the Western Conference, just, what, three games back of the sixth seed right now or getting a little too ahead of myself? Yeah, listen, a little ahead of ourselves because, yeah, three games back of the sixth seed, but there's not a lot of games left. What do they have, 24 games left? Yeah, it's weird. Why is, like, why, is, are, why is the all-star break not actually at the halfway point of the season? It just kind of yeah, screws your uh, mind up a little I bit. Think, I think they want to do it post-Super Bowl as it's kind of like, and now we turn our focus to the NBA for the stretch run. Also probably because the playoffs are two months long. So uh, while the the all-star break is not at the midway point of the regular season, but it kind of is at the midway point of the actual season. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Yes, sir. But listen, here's the thing with the Lakers. That report that LeBron has excruciating pain in his foot obviously could wreck their season. Whatever the hell – so can I tell you my Anthony Davis theory that is purely speculation that I, I – there is no reporting on this. I have no insight on this. It's just my gut. Let me hear Okay? Because he was really weird the night LeBron broke the record, right? Yep. Sitting on the bench. So what like was – the whole thing was bizarre. And there was that mic'd up segment where LeBron was like, I love you, man, and he seemed dis- disengaged like – Seemed like something was going on there. Ty, do you think it's possible that when the Lakers were engaged in discussions for Kyrie Irving, they also said, okay, well, question though, if you don't trade Kyrie here, or maybe even if you do, uh, is there any interest in, uh, are you moving Durant? And is there interest in Anthony Davis for Durant (laughs) move? And... Because that's a, that's a trade that I think both teams have to talk about, right? Yes. Because Durant's better than AD, but AD is younger, and AD you know doesn't seem to be as fickle as Durant. All those things. I think for the Nets, it would have been you know a much bigger return than the one they actually got. But regardless, set that aside. The point, I guess, what I'm saying is, I think something happened with Anthony Davis. That's my theory. Again, backed up by no reporting, just. Logic dictates, I think it was something significant, and that to me would be significant that he heard he was being, you know, shopped in trade rumors. The only chance they they now have a shot because the West is wide open. Phoenix looks overwhelming, but it's a lot of very big health questions. We got to see those guys play together. I do not believe in the Nuggets as a playoff team, and I absolutely believe if the Lakers were the eight seed. They could beat the Denver Nuggets in round one if you get the Anthony Davis that we got for a few weeks, you know, early in the season. And if LeBron is playing at the level he's playing at now, those are a lot of ifs, but they now have enough shooting and enough spacing that they actually have a puncher's chance. Last thing I promise, uh, Dr. James Harden, did you see him last night talking about his, his time in Brooklyn and, you know, he had to get out of here. He doesn't look like the crazy one uh, now that we've seen what's unfolded. What would you make of uh, what Harden had to say? You know, Ty, I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, I flew uh, overnight from, not overnight, this morning from Phoenix to New York. And last night, as I had no more television responsibilities uh, at the Super Bowl, 
Last night, I was at a few, uh, let's call them, get-togethers. <laughs> a few cocktails being served uh, until the wee hours in the morning. So I didn't actually catch the James Harden post-game press conference on the Saturday night before the Super Bowl, yeah, buddy. He said, well, I can't give you an informed opinion on that. Well, I'll just I'll read it for you real quick. He said, yeah, there was a lot of things, but it was a lot of dysfunction, clearly. And that was one of the reasons why I chose to make my decision. Fast forward to today, I don't look like the crazy one. I knew what was going on. You think that's about Kyrie and, and how the, this net organization empowered no. him? I actually don't think it's about Kyrie. Oh. I think that those guys totally blame Sean Marks and Joe Sy. I think they I, I, I don't think any one of those three guys, and I know one of them's your guy, and by the way, I should have told you this. Guess who I shook hands with and said what up to? Oh no. My hotel lobby in Phoenix because no. that's where he was staying. No. Your way. guy Kevin Durant. Did you did you drop my name? You dropped my name? Yeah, you, you know, you, you didn't come up. Uh, <laughs> if I had seen your actual guy Rich Kleiman, I would have definitely dropped your name. Uh, but it turns out I don't know what he looks like because I saw Mike Garofolo from the NFL Network at the airport and I thought it was Rich Kleiman. It was a very <laughs> awkward interaction before I realized who I was talking to. Um <laughs> But I don't think Durant, Kyrie, or Harden blame themselves for any of this. Mm. I think it's kind of crazy, but I don't think any of them blame themselves for any of it. And by the way, I do think Sean Marks has done a truly terrible, terrible job. But those guys have not done him any favors. Well, Nick, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. you got two hours before kickoff, so I know you've got your, your pregame rituals you got to get to. Mahomes got to win this one because I feel sorry for you come tomorrow morning. You know, old takes exposed, and everyone's going to be coming for you on social media. So oh, good luck I, to I good luck to you. I damn about old takes exposed. <laughs> Someone tell old takes exposed to get a job. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll talk to you later. Man. Later, bro. That's Nick Wright. First things first, FS1. Really appreciate him giving us some time. We'll get back to the phone lines at 800-919-3776. Hit us up on Twitter, Ty D. Butler, Instagram as well. Who you got tonight? Chiefs-Eagles. We're getting closer and closer to kickoff. Looking forward to this one tonight. The spread is only one and a half, so Vegas is telling us. And everyone, look at staff predictors and predictions from all these different websites. They're all torn, so it should be a fun one tonight. And we look forward to continuing to break it down. Uh, as we get closer to 5 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Well, Ian Rappaport on Twitter just now says the Raiders quarterback or former quarterback Derek Carr has informed the team he won't accept a trade to the Saints or any other team. Because in his contract, he has a no-trade clause. So they are expected to release him, and he will be a top free agent. So if you're the Jets, you just hope that Rodgers can make that decision rather quickly. So he's expected to go on this little four-day ritual darkness retreat beginning tomorrow. And hopefully he can come out of it with, with some type of a decision relatively quickly because... If he decides that he's going elsewhere or staying in Green Bay, not coming to the Jets, then you've got to find what your plan B is. And I would imagine plan B would be, assuming Lamar Jackson isn't available, plan B would be uh, going at Derek Carr because he's the, the best, the second best option on the market outside of Aaron Rodgers. And Derek Carr, younger, is going to give you more years, but everyone knows that Rodgers has a, a clearly higher ceiling. So... 
that's the direction you would love to go in. But looks like Derek Carr is going to become a free agent, and that could be uh, his landing spot could be determined shortly. I did come across this from uh, CBS, Chris Trapasso, uh, who put out his mock draft. He, I'm looking for, I'm looking through his mock draft, and uh, you know, the Jets are 13, and I'm like, whoa. He's got the the Ravens drafting at 13. The Ravens don't have the 13th pick. It's the Jets. So then I read his little, you know, bot, his little descriptor, and he says, the closer we get to the start of the offseason, the more and more it feels like Lamar Jackson has already played his final game in Baltimore. He His prediction is that the Jets pounce. Baltimore at 13 is going to draft right tackle out of Tennessee, Darnell Wright. Meanwhile, the Jets are going to get Lamar Jackson, and in that trade, the Baltimore gets two first-round picks this year's, next year's, and a 2024 third-round pick, and then 2025 second-round selection. So in his mock draft, he has the Jets trading with the Ravens for Lamar Jackson for two first-rounders, a third, and a second-round selection. Now, give me Lamar, a former league MVP, or Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, four-time MVP, my favorite quarterback, and I'm happy. All I know is I've got no interest in uh, Zach Wilson being on the center next year. Richard in Manhattan wants to chop it up. What's up, Richard? Hi, Ty. You think Aaron Rodgers wor- is worrying about the Jets' uh, plan B? Uh, no, of course not. Okay. Course uh, not. I'll give you something. Colorado in hockey is barely in eighth place. For the playoffs. Golden State is in ninth. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine <laughs> both seasons are two-thirds completed if both teams oh. do not make the playoffs? Colorado Champions winning. one year mm-hmm. and concurrently out of the playoffs the following year. That's amazing. I mean, it happens I, a lot in the NFL. You don't really see it that much in no, the NBA. No, hockey or basketball? Yeah, hockey? hockey How basketball. Can that be? Yeah, I was going to say every that. team making the playoffs. Pretty soon football won't be like that either because it'll be so many teams making. Yeah. All right, here's the problem with the Knicks. If you put Kyrie and KD on the Knicks and took out Brunson and Randall, the Knicks would be no better than what they are now. You're crazy. Yes, and I'll tell you Richard. why. No, no, let me finish. I promise you, Richard, if, if, if I hadn't been blessed Let me finish. With, well, Richard, I promise you that if I had not been blessed with two awesome church services this morning, back-to-back, shout-out to my parents, by the way, do an excellent job in the place of exchange. But if I had not been blessed with the, the, the word of the Lord this morning and I was in a more foul mode, I would hang up on you right now. But go ahead, continue with this awful point. The Knicks have only four, before Hart came yesterday, the Knicks only have four players who can score in double figures. Barrett, Randall, Brunson, and Quickly. That means the other nine guys on the roster cannot score in double figures. I don't care who you are in this day in the NBA. You need seven to nine players on your roster that can score in double figures. The Knicks don't get double figures from Hartenstein, from Sims, from Grimes, from Toppin, from Fournier, from Rose. None of those guys give them double figures. You cannot win with two guys, three guys, double figure scoring. The Knicks have up now. Hart gave them 11 yesterday, and that's why they won. But they will never win. I don't. You don't have to have two super. If you the Nets, what the Nets got swept by Boston last year. They had two superstars. What happened? The other guys, none of them stepped up. You can't win in the NBA, NBA with two super. Yes, it makes it easier. Yes, you need superstars to win, but you're not going to win because you have two superstars. I guarantee you, Durant and 
and and Kyrie on the Knicks instead of Brunson, Brunson and Randall. You can't do better than what they're doing. Durant and I mean, they look better scoring. I mean, Brunson isn't pretty, and Randall isn't pretty, and we all know the issues that Garden has with Randall. We understand, but he's as effective as anybody. He's putting up better numbers than Bernard King ever put up. So come on, please. But I understand this day and day of basketball, numbers are high, especially scoring, mm. rebounding, and assists aren't. But if you were to say that, uh, that's my opinion, Ty, and I'll give you another thing. Should you be disqualified from having another opinion after that one? This is great. No, I bring up great points, salient points. Nobody brings this stuff up. The next point you bring up that's great will be the first one, but go ahead. All right, that was great. All right, here's another one. Jokic can be the first guy in history, and maybe forever history, to lead the league in rebounding and assists. Could be. I mean, this guy's averaging a triple-double. He's having a a tremendous season. Appreciate the call, Richard. Jokic actually should become the first player since Bird in the 80s to win three consecutive MVPs. And the reason why I'm doing this is because I'm trying to forget what happened before that. Uh, You lost me when you said that if we replaced Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, like healthy Kyrie and Kevin Durant on this Knicks team, their ceiling wouldn't be higher. You brought up something about, like, oh, they don't score in double figures. Last night, the Knicks had five guys in double figures. The game before that, they had four guys in double figures. I can I can continue to argue this, but it would be a waste of my time. We're going until 5 o'clock. We'll be back with more of your phone calls right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Award winners that were announced this past Thursday. Mahomes wins the MVP. Brian Dable wins the Coach of the Year, and he becomes the first Giant head coach to win the AP Coach of the Year since Jim Fassel. Then in 97, we also had Dan Reeves, who won in 93, Parcells in 86. Sally Sherman in 61 and 62 have also won the award. So shout-out to Brian Dable for a tremendous season. Uh, Comeback Player of the Year was very controversial. Juno Smith over Saquon Barkley, I did not understand at all. And, you know, Gino was a backup last year. Saquon didn't play because he was hurt, and he had a career season that's going to net him a big contract. And I know Gino's in line for a huge deal as well because he did a terrific job with Seattle. And, you know, they deserve a lot of credit. Got them to the playoffs, and we thought they were headed into a rebuild mode. But for him to get that over Saquon, to me, voters got that wrong. AP... Offensive player of the year, Justin Jefferson, who was tremendous and established himself at least this year as the best receiver in football. Uh, I still would have Chase and Devontae Adams ahead of him, but this season, Tyreek Hill too, but this season he he was the best uh, receiver and offensive player in the sport. Nicky Bosa wins it for defensive player of the year. Garrett Rosen, offensive rookie of the year. Sauce Gardner, defensive rookie of the year. The Jets use their two top picks or two top 10 picks uh, to become the third team in NFL history to sweep the AP's offensive and defensive rookies of the year award. So the team has a lot of promise. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can become. I'm putting all my eggs in the basket of Aaron Rodgers. This is one of those things where you start to start to dream a little bit. You start to, you know, flirt with the idea and you marry yourself to the idea. And then when you're left at the altar, you're heartbroken Aaron Rodgers not on the center next year. I might have to, uh, I might need some time to recover from that. But we're sending good vibes and positive energy to whatever that that house 
that he's in, in embarking on his dark retreat for four days. So hopefully we can see him become a Jet. Uh, but we do have the Super Bowl tonight that we're talking about. 800-919-3776. Is it going to be the Eagles to win their second championship in, was it six years? Or the Chiefs, their second time in five years. Mahomes on pace to catch Brady. As far as the GOAT, you look at his resume. He's got three Super Bowl appearances, five straight AFC Championship games, two rings. If he wins tonight, two Super Bowl MVPs, which you would imagine if they win, he'll be the guy to regular season MVPs, seventh player in NFL history to in the same season when the MVP in the regular season and in the Super Bowl. And his team, 64-18 and 18 over the last five years. So they've been the class, not just of the AFC, but of all of football. Uh, he's the difference because remember the Chiefs getting to the playoffs every year, couldn't win the big game because of Alex Smith as their quarterback. Soon as you insert Patrick Mahomes, all they know how to do is get to the AFC Championship game. Worst case scenario, and uh, we know tonight they'll be playing for a championship. Meanwhile, the Eagles keep getting disrespected. Oh, they haven't played anyone. You know, they haven't been tested. Well, maybe the reason why they have all these double-digit leads is because they're just that good. And they deserve credit for what they have been able to do. Now, unfortunately for them, if they care about any of this, they there was nothing they were going to be able to do against the Giants or against a Niners team without Brock Purdy, who now who had gotten down to their fourth-string quarterback. There was nothing the Eagles were going to be able to do to convince the public that they were a legitimate team. So it all comes, you know, to clash tonight. Both teams, number one seed, sixteen and three. Both have scored five hundred and forty-six points. Both have six All Pros, including a Kelsey brother and their quarterback. Both are considered to be at this point, you know, the best teams of their respective conferences. Not just by virtue of being here, but just considering the overall body of work. I think we're going to get a tremendous game. We've seen classics in Arizona: the David Tyree catch. We saw the you know Malcolm Butler interception at the goal line that stopped the Seahawks from repeating. So I think we're in for a good one tonight, Chiefs and uh, the Eagles. I know Giant fans can't stomach watching the Eagles win another championship, but we'll see what happens. I did say I'm rooting for the Eagles. I, I, I don't want to see Kansas City win because then it's going to feel like they're just unbeatable. And as a Jet fan, can't have that happen. We head to Queens to talk to D. What's up, D? Appreciate you calling in. Uh, just turn your radio down and get me off your speakerphone. Turn your radio down and get me off your speakerphone. Yes. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. As Sorry about that. All good. You hear me now? Yes, sir. You hear me now? Talk to me. All right, man. Long time no here. I'm glad you graduated, man. Uh, thank you. <laughs> to God be the um, glory, man. A few things. A few things. With the Jets, I don't think Aaron Rodgers, uh, this bad locker room guy, everything. And pe- Plus, people keep sleeping on this, and I've brought it up more than once. The way the Jets handled Mike LaFleur, you sure I didn't get back to Aaron Rodgers, and maybe that's why he don't want to come. I'm just uh, saying. Well, they hired. I mean, considering they hired Nathaniel Hackett, who Rodgers loves, I'm sure that 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 did not at, at in any way affect, you know, him. You know, his his desire to come to the Jets. They hired a, a, his offensive coordinator, who he had, who watched him win two MVPs. All right. Well, whatever. I just don't think that would be a good idea. And it also is just the Jets scrambling because of the original sin of drafting the wrong quarterback yet again. Let's start there. Well, listen, you got to correct your mistakes. They made a mistake, and they're doing their best effort to try to correct it. What do you want them to do? Sit on the made a mistake and, you know, drown in their sorrows or try to rectify it and get the best quarterback on the market right now? I guess so. Anyway, next, back to the Nets. Okay. 
Everybody wanted to bash Harden, talk crazy about him, act like he's the worst person on earth. You had people talking about take him off the top 75. I dubbed ESPN, HHN, the Hate Harden Network, because it was just ridiculous, the coverage last year. It was, like, absolutely disgusting. Come to find out, basically, it was basically the Kyrie and KD show, and they just ran that organization into the ground, especially Kyrie. Mm. You know what I mean? And then, you know what I'm saying? And Devin Booker, lo and behold, has the same exact issue as James Harden. Look how it lingers. But no one talks about that. James Harden was loafing. He was lazy. He was this. He's a quitter. I'm asking anyone, if you had a coworker like Kyrie, would you put your best effort forward? Uh, well, so here's the thing, D. And I, look, I, I'll, I'll get your answer for that. I just want to say, so the Harden, Harden may have been right and, and like his desire to, to get out of Brooklyn was probably the correct one, right? Like his his this, this decision to you know search for greener pastures because he wants to win a championship. I don't begrudge him for that. What I will not excuse is how he handled it. The, the coming into camp out of shape, the you know hanging out all night on the West Coast, and then that stinker in Sacramento, uh, not playing. Like the way he did it was unprofessional. And it was unbecoming of a guy of, of his cachet, one of the, as you mentioned, one of the 75 greatest players in, the, in NBA history. That's not a way he okay. should be acting. A, a okay. league MVP, I, I get, I, I a former scoring, a three-time scoring. Like, he's got the resume of, of an elite, like a guy who can reach, you know, what, top 40, top 30 all time. But for him to act that way, I'm not going to excuse it. Should he have wanted to get out of Brooklyn? Sure. But I don't think, he, I don't think we should owe him an apology because of how he acted. No, people no people act like he was trash. No, like it was like go go look at the coverage yourself and how disgusting it was. You see how you talked about it? That's understandable. The way people made it personal and nasty and said he was garbage and he was washed. I, like like it was awful. It was awful. Like it, like this is a revisionist history no, where people but, act like the coverage. No, but D, remember when so when he first got here, like he like he looked like he lost a step. And that hamstring injury, it really looked like it affected him to the point where you know, the conditioning was off. He wasn't finishing at the rim. And remember this 2D, like Harden, what, what made Harden and like one of the best scorers in basketball was that he hacked the system. Right, like he was able to draw fouls on every single possession. And then the NBA cracked down on that. And all of a sudden, like all of his percentages dropped. So like that was legitimate. Not that he was a scrub, but he's not in his prime anymore. He's not close to the same player. He's he's kind of, you know, he he's kind of becoming a lesser version of, of the Harden we were used to in Houston. And I think that was all fair. It seemed very personal, and he's thirty three and leading the leading in assists. Yeah, he's having a good and... season. He's having a good season and, and had a good had a good uh, you know spot or you know had a good case to be an All Star too. No, I got it. And also, Katie's a sucker because that same Nets team that he just left after the trade with Kyrie could have went to the finals. I mean, he's a sucker. He's, he's soft. <laughs> Listen, he's man, soft. I, I appreciate the call, D. I, I, I appreciate the call, D. I, I, I think that he should have stayed because I think I don't know how much upside there is to you winning a championship. Like, if you care about public perception, and maybe he doesn't. Uh, I guess folks would argue with all the burner accounts, he absolutely cares. But if you care about public perception and reputation and how you're viewed by the masses and not just like NBA fans and NBA Twitter, but, 
NBA legends like Charles Barkley and Shaq, like the guys inside of the NBA, that you know, the people who have these opinions that you so covet that that you value. If you care about your reputation, then I don't know how much your legacy becomes enhanced by winning with a Suns team that is two years removed from being in the finals. And yeah, they suffered they suffered an embarrassing loss in the second round at the hands of the Mavs last year. In the game seven, they scored twenty seven in the first half. I just don't know how much that increases your 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 enhances your legacy. Because folks are gonna say it's Devin Booker's team, it's Chris Paul, the Hall of Famer, Aiden, like you you're going to another super team. Whereas you stay here in Brooklyn, and obviously you won't have Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges, but you've got Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith and Cam Thomas and Seth Curry, who looks like he's going to be coming back soon, and Claxton and whatever is left of Ben Simmons. Uh, you, you have a, a cast of characters who are, you know, on any given night are, are, are legitimate, right? And who knows what other moves the Nets would have. If Katie had said, I'm committed to the franchise, the Nets have some picks now they can flip into other players, so who knows what that means? If they can go out and get OG Ananobi from Toronto or Siakam or whoever would have become available. You know, the Lakers made that deal for D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley and Vanderbilt. So like there were trades to be had, you know, had Durant decided to stay here. And I think if you go full 2018 LeBron mode where, as Nick Wright pointed out, you know, Jeff Green's his second best player with Jordan Clarkson and Rodney Hood. Like, that team had no business being in the finals, and he got them there. Lucas Mavs last year, you know, with all due respect to Jalen Brunson, but it was Jalen Brunson, your second best player. He had them in the Western Conference Finals with Kleber and, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie. Like, those guys, ironically enough, who, you know, would have been KD's teammates. If you go on some type of a run, then who knows the level of respect uh, that you're going to be afforded by just choosing to stay here. We wrap up the show. Uh, coming up next here, Ty Butler going until 5 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. So I, I'm watching NFL Network, and Dame Lillard's on the on the TV screen. Is he breaking down the 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 game? I saw Brian Cranston, and who else was who was sitting next to Brian Cranston? What, what's his name from Breaking Bad? Ah, uh, what's his name from Breaking Bad? I know someone's gonna tweet it at me uh, soon. Brian Cranston, and and um, who's Jesse? What's Jesse's real name? Is Aaron Paul? I saw them on the set uh, on uh, on NFL Game Day. So we're we're bringing out the stars. I'm excited for this one. I'm excited. I'm excited because I think we'll get a high-scoring win, a high-scoring affair between two exceptional teams. And anytime legacy is is involved in the conversation, that just you know ups the ante on on stakes because we're talking about Mahomes and what it means for Andy Reid and Jalen Hurts. This year has been his coming out party. And if he can find a way to get a championship in a year where he finished second in the MVP, uh, what what wonder does it do for them or for him as far as like where he falls on the, the NFL quarterback hierarchy? And then the Eagles, like like this be are, do they become the class of the NFC because it's a conference that once Rodgers is gone and Brady's now retired, it's pretty much wide open. The Niners, you know, who their quarterback is going to be yet to be determined. The Eagles and the Niners right now are the, are the two teams that are the class of the NFC, and then it's pretty much wide open. 
so they can kind of put their stamp on things. But it should be a fun game. I'm looking forward to it. We've had a blast. Talk some Nets as well. The Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden experiment failed in Brooklyn. And I saw a bunch of Knicks fans on Twitter celebrating. And I just wondered, like, I, I, I guess on the surface I understand why you're celebrating. But weren't you the guy saying no one cares about the Nets? So you're celebrating the demise of a team that you don't care about? That just feels odd. And it, you better hope you beat them tomorrow. Knicks, Nets tomorrow at the Garden. Nets have beaten the Knicks nine straight times. So could you imagine all the celebrating you did last week? Because it was an experiment that failed. You know, KD's gone, Kyrie's gone. It was a flop, biggest disappointment in NBA history. So they're rolling in with the likes of Cam Thomas and Spencer Dinwiddie and Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton and Seth Curry. No stars, no superstars, Dorian Finney-Smith. And they still find a way to beat you for the 10th straight time. Like, that's a game you can't lose if you're the Knicks tomorrow. Like, the fan base, again, nobody cares about the Nets. Nobody cares about the Nets, but every time something bad happens to them, you celebrate it. You can't lose that game. And look, they're never going to take over the city. They were never going to take over the city. That was just like this straw man's argument that you just used to make yourself feel good. Oh, I thought y'all were going to take over the city. No one ever said they were. You got to find a way to win that game tomorrow. Ten straight losses to this organization can't happen. But I'm excited. Uh, Chiefs-Eagles tonight. So I hope you guys enjoy the game. Hope you all enjoyed the program. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Shout out to Chantel and Joe Leo for holding down the fort behind the scenes. I get, I've got the Eagles winning tonight. Let's go. 33-27. Peace out.